I'd like to thank Aaron K for sponsoring this week's Torah content. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shirim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and access additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishnewes.substack.com. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneewes, and this is the audio version of the two-page article I wrote and published on my Substack at rabbishnewes.substack.com on November 24th, 2023, and the article is entitled Vayetze. Hashem's love-hate relationship with stone monuments. Parshas Vayetze begins with Yaakov Avinu's prophetic dream. The next morning, Yaakov springs into action. Quote from Breshis 28, 18 through 22. Yaakov rose early in the morning and took the stone which he had put at his head and set it as a matseva, a stone pillar or monument, and poured oil on its top. He named that place Beit El, though Luz had been the city's name at first. Yaakov took a vow, saying, If God will be with me and watch over me on this path that I go, and gives me food to eat and clothing to wear, and I return in peace to my father's house, and Hashem will be for me a God, and this stone that I set as a matseva will be a house of God, and all that you give me I will surely tithe to you. End quote. Rabbi Dr. Tzvi Ron, in the Koran Tanakh of the Land of Israel, commentary on Vayikra 26.1, elaborates on the roles played by matseva. Quote, Sacred Pillars Pillars are crude, unshaped stones made to stand up vertically. Even before God's revelation at Sinai, Yaakov sets up stone pillars in devotion to him. For example, Genesis 28.18, 28.22, and 35.14. Pillars had other functions as well, to memorialize the dead, as legal boundary markers, or to commemorate an event. Sometimes the pillars had both religious and secular functions. Since a stone would not naturally be in an upright position, the simple act of setting up a stone would draw attention to it, making it a relatively simple way to mark a place. End quote. Although the Torah doesn't clearly provide insight into what compelled Yaakov to set up a matseva, his actions are presented in an unambiguously positive light. Rabbeinu Avram ben Arambam, in his commentary on Breshis 28.18, theorizes that, quote, setting up a matseva and anointing its top with oil was a method of avoda, divine service, that was known at that time, and which persisted afterwards, and was not prohibited until the exalted one prohibited it in the Torah. It is also possible that Yaakov, peace be upon him, is the one who initiated this avoda, end quote. The problem mentioned by Rabbeinu Avraham in passing is that it is forbidden for a Jew to set up a, a matseva. Not only does the Torah prohibit us from doing so, but it does so in the most vehement terms. Quote from Devarim 26.22, Do not set up for yourself a matseva, which Hashem your God hates. Hate is a strong word, even when used metaphorically about a being who has no emotions. See Ramam in Hilchus Yisodei Torah 1.11 for more on that. To be clear, the question is not, how could Yaakov Avinu violate a Torah prohibition? This article is predicated on the assumption that the Avos did not keep the 613 mitzvos, which is a dominant view among the classical commentators. See this article on Al-HaTorah for a summary of all the approaches. Likewise, this article assumes that Hashem does not change his mind, as was declared by his prophet in Malachi 3.6, I am Hashem, I do not change, as explained by the Ramam in Hilchus Yisodei Torah 112, and by their prophet, God is not a man such that he lies, nor is he the son of a man that he changes his mind. That's a quote from Bamidbar 23.19. Given these two premises, the question is, how can we understand Hashem's love-hate relationship with Matseva? How did Matseva go from being favored by God to being hated by Him? We will now consider two fundamentally different approaches. The first answer is based on Sifrei, Pisca 146, which notes that Matseva was, quote, beloved by Hashem for the Avos, the forefathers, but hated for their offspring, end quote. 
Rashi on Devarim 1622 explains why. Quote, He, God, commanded us to make a stone mizbeach, altar, and an earthen mizbeach, in Shemos 20, 20-21. But he, God, hates this matseva because it was a religious statute among the Canaanites. And even though it was beloved to him in the time of the Avos, now he hates it. Once these Canaanites made it into a religious statute of Avodazara, idolatry. End quote from Rashi. The Sefri's view is likely based on the fact that the phrase Hashem hates only appears in one other occasion on uh, in Chumash, in Devarim chapter 12, Psukim 29 through 31. Quote, scrolling, When Hashem your God will cut down the nations, beware for yourself, lest you be attracted after them, after they have been destroyed before you, lest you seek out their gods, saying, How did these nations worship their gods? And even I will do the same. You shall not do so to Hashem your God, for everything that is an abomination of Hashem that he hates have they done to their gods, for even their sons and their daughters have they burned in the fire for their gods. End quote. Ramban on Devarim 1622 echoes Rashi's answer and explicitly notes why Yaakov's Matseva was not hated. Quote, the explanation of the reason for which Hashem hates is that Hashem commanded, an earthen altar shall you make for me, etc., and if you make for me a stone altar, etc., Moshe explained that his desire, God's desire in these, uh, is in these, to the exclusion of the Matseva, which he hates. For all the actions of the Canaanites are hated before him, and he therefore commanded Israel not to copy their actions. But in the days of Yaakov, the mitzvah of do not follow the statutes of the idolaters, Vayikra 18.3, was not yet given. Therefore, Yaakov utilized the Matseva for the sake of heaven in accordance with the custom of those who worshipped at that time. End quote from the Ramban. Rafersh offers a radically different explanation, one that doesn't have anything to do with the Vodazara, but instead accounts for the transition of divine preference from Matseva to Mizbeach on a purely philosophical basis. Here are two key excerpts from his lengthier exposition, beginning with his commentary on Breshi's 28.18. Quote, Matseva consists of a single stone. Mizbeach is an elevation made of many stones. Matseva is presented by nature. Mizbeach is made by man. Before the giving of the Torah, God's providence revealed itself primarily in the ways of nature and in the destiny of man, that is to say, in what man receives from God. Correspondingly, a matseva is a stone taken from creation to commemorate a divine deed. After the giving of the Torah, God wished to be revealed not in what he bestows upon man, but in what man does with this blessing. That is the purpose of the giving of the Torah. Man's deeds are to attest to God's glory. Hence, after the giving of the Torah, the matseva was prohibited. End quote from Rav Hirsch. In Devarim 1622, Rav Hirsch explains, or I guess on Devarim 1622, Rav Hirsch explains why matseva was, quote, beloved for the avos, but hated for their offspring. Quote from Rav Hirsch. Before the giving of the Torah, it was necessary to make man aware that God alone rules nature and history, and it was not yet possible to subordinate the whole life of the individual and of the people to God's Torah. Homage to God could not be manifested in the life of the individual and of the people. Hence, there was still a place for the matseva beside the mizbeach. With the giving of the Torah, not only has the role of the matseva been completely absorbed by the mizbeach, but, but matseva has become a sin. Worshiping God in his power and might alone is not only no longer pleasing to God, it is hateful to him. As our verse puts it, God hates any adoration of his power and might that does not express itself in the person's moral subjugation to God's Torah. Our recognition of God and our homage to God must come to expression in our obedience to him. 
He measures our recognition of his power and might by the extent of our devotion to his will, and he rejects all homage to him in nature and history that places heaven and earth under God's sovereignty, but denies his sovereignty over the person himself, his heart, thoughts, desires, and actions. Not recognition of God, but acknowledgement of the authority of God is the Jewish mission, and it alone is the way to Jewish salvation. The Mizbeach, not the Matseva, is the symbol of the Jewish mission. Matseva devoutness is deadening to the Jewish spirit. End quote. To sum it up, the Sifrei and Rav Hirsch both aim to answer a seemingly insurmountable question. How can an unchanging God change his mind? How can he who transcends emotion hate something he once did not hate? Rabino Avraham, Rashi, and Ramban understand the Sifrei to mean that the ubiquity of Canaanite rituals rendered an otherwise acceptable form of divine service unfit for the Jewish nation, which rejects Avodah Zarah and anything associated with its rites. Rav Hirsch maintains that the philosophical message needed by humanity, which the Matseva symbolized, became eclipsed by the giving of the Torah, which provided the means through which humanity could reach a higher level of divine service, as symbolized by the Mizbeach. Thus, the answer to the question about how God can change is always the same. The change stems from us, not from him. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbischneeweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading, and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.